Hi, this is Stephen Fisher. And John Sutton. And we are back with a brand new episode. It's been, I would say, a month, if, I, if oh, I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, John's had some developments. I've had some developments. And so, uh, unfortunately, we've kind of let this lapse a little bit. But to our listening audience in Germany, we want to let you know that we haven't forgotten about you. <laughs> we, did, we did not let this lapse. This has been hindered. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So John, John, like I, I've gone through a move. I was on vacation for a while, just a lot of time off away. Uh, John technically though, was the one without internet for a good six weeks. It seems like. Um, no, since July. Since July. Well, okay. since July 5th. But like I said, the last episode we recorded, I was house sitting for that. Those friends True. of mine. Yeah. So I, you know, set up my computer, use their Wi-Fi so we could record. So for that week, I had internet, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So I have moved into a place anywhere from a few weeks to a year and a quarter. We'll see. Okay. We'll, we'll see how long I'm here. Now, you're still hoping to get back into your home. Is that correct? I am. I don't know how much I'm hoping. I think yeah. I have a good case for it, but I don't think courts care. Um, why not? As far as courts are concerned, men are an exploitable resource. Now, you're working with an attorney on the whole situation, though, aren't right? I am, but, you know, what can you do? How often are they going to boot a woman out of a house? Yeah. Short of her, you know, becoming a serial killer. Yeah, but they can let you retain to to move back in, though, right? Like, well, if we're both there, then we're not separated. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess it provided, you know, and I can't hold out. You know, there's always the chance, you know, this case won't get dismissed, or I'll, you know, and if I get a conviction, I mean, hell, I'm, God forbid, but if that were to happen, then. Yeah, but barring that, if there's no conviction or it gets thrown out, which I think it should, and I think it will, but I, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what the future holds. No, there, I don't see any reason why they can force me out of the house without her filing something. Yeah, like some and restraining she, order or something like that. And they, she's, my, I've found some sources where she posted something on Facebook about not being able to afford a lawyer. Like, well, you can afford a new tattoo, and you can afford a car <laughs> after you total after you total the one I bought you, and <laughs> you can afford this other bullshit, but you can't afford Dude, an attorney. It just goes short. Right? Right? It just goes yeah. short. She's body of a thirty five thirty five year old, mind of a sixteen year old. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's 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 all about priorities, and um, that's the unfortunate part. Like it, it's just people, people, it, and I hate to say it, but this is just people in general today. Um, like the bulk, and this is general, this is a, ge- a broad generalization. It's not everyone, but there's just a broad generalization of like, oh, there's not enough time, but I'm going to sit here and play video games. Oh, there's not enough like this, or I'm going to, so I'm just going to sit here and do, I don't have enough money, uh, but I did buy this new tattoo, right? Like it's just like, it's just blame the situation, but never turn around and look at like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have spent money on the tattoo. So, 
And that's something I've really had. I mean, I was guilty of that for a long time. And then yeah. this whole thing, if nothing else, it's really caused me to refocus my priorities. And I, I've got to say these last couple of months, especially this last month, mm-hmm. especially the last month, I have been genuinely busy, which is good. Yeah, that's good. Minus my shit show situation. Like this is the happiest I've ever been. Because it's like I've got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. Um, I'm not just, I'm just letting. And like the couple of times I've tried to pop in a video game, because when this first all went down, I replayed Witcher, mm-hmm. which took me you know a couple of weeks. I watched, I, I finished up the Expanse, uh, rewatched Fringe, and then it was like, well, I'm done. <laughs> and I try to like put in. Uh, I was I was a fan of the XCOM game, so I put on XCOM for a little bit. And I played it. And I'm like, well, okay, I've lost interest. And it was you know for a person I I have played in my life games 24 hours straight. Mm-hmm. Like I have I have stayed up all day playing. I know and you were living at my house when you were playing games 24 hours straight. I was never living at your house. <laughs> Ever. I never I, lived for, for a week straight, John is playing Knights of the Old Republic. I sat there. I went to work. John was playing I Knights did. of the Old Republic. I came home. John was playing Knights that of the Old Republic. I went to like, bed. John was like, playing Knights of the Old Republic. Then I woke up and John was playing Knights of the Old Republic. So, like so, one time. <laughs> no, that was the I whole did not week stay, that they were there. I did not stay at that. That was your first house. I did not stay there a week. Ever. It was a week, man. It was a week. Never happened. Anyway, and plus, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm 39. I was what 20, so that was Fair 19 enough. years yeah. ago. Yeah, and you were you were just anyway. getting ready to to join. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, I'm a guy who's played a lot of video games. Or the thing is, I haven't even played a lot of video games. I've played certain video games a whole bunch of times, mm-hmm. and so for me to just be like. You know, and I'm I'm sitting kind of awkwardly here, but I am craving my gym now. When I, I look, you know, when I, I said, you know, I got a killer workout and I ever really did. And it's I'm not not talking about pain like injury pain, you know, mm. but just that work pain from a neck workout. And I've I've come to crave it, and I used to be like that would cause me to back off. And now it just like makes me angry, but happy, angry. Um, it changes you it, that I think um, it, it makes you aggressive. Of, yeah. Well, that type of embracing of that pain. Yeah, I think it like does not, change you. Not injury, pain, not injury pain. It's yeah, it's work pain. And it's, I'm just in a much better place minus all the shit happening. And I'm just, it's amazing to me that video games cannot hold my attention anymore. And I, <laughs> and like I, when I, even, even when I replay, cause I, I wasn't really into this groove. I got in now when that first month was just kind of a wash, like all of July. Yeah. So yeah, I replayed the Witcher, but again, I played, I don't play, I play that for the story for the same reason yeah. you would binge, binge watch TV show. I play that cause it's not even really playing for me. It's I'm there for the story, but it, okay. Got it. Finished it, did it. Yep, still cool, still better than a TV show. 
I haven't played anything really since. So like I said, I, I popped in XCOM <clears throat> and then oh, oh, let me, I, I can't do this, you know? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I think that was the same for me. Like the last game that I played was a uh, cyberpunk 2099 and whatever. Like I, I got it on PS4, whatever it is. I don't fucking count anymore. Anyways. Um, I got it. I got it for uh, like, I got it for PS4, and I didn't even care about the whole bitrate bullshit. That that was like, I could care less about all that stuff, right? At the end of the day, it's still, it was still playable, right? And people people made a huge deal out of this, like it's not playable bullshit. Anyways, it's still playable. What actually turned me off was just I got bored. It just it was one of the. It just I just got bored, um, and like most games, like I just. I just get bored now. I don't, I can't play it all the way through. So um, even the last Spider-Man game that came out, uh, I liked the one, uh, the full length one and then the Miles Morales one. I just got bored halfway through. I was like, this is just stupid. I'm just, it's the same game. So just different Spider-Man. Um, all that being said, John, I'm happy that you're back. Obviously you took the time to start writing, um, you know, to continue writing. So that's why we're here. That's why we're continuing this. That's why we keep moving down the path. Uh, so I think we should start, though, with our drinks, because uh, John is drinking something different than what I think I'm finally rubbing off on John. He starts working out, and then he starts drinking other things. The working out, well, you had nothing to do with the first time I lifted, and so whatever. This, this is not, don't get used to this. I do not have my bartending kit. I do not have my gear here. So, so, so you decide to have wine instead. Well, what else was I going to do? Like drink straight I don't, booze. <laughs> I don't. Well, okay, I don't do that really much. I, uh, sit here with a bottle of scotch, not really my thing. Uh, I don't drink beer anymore. Um, any kind of beer. Yeah. Ever since you know, I was reading in is that L L magazine. It actually has more phytoestrogens than soy. That's uh. That's IPAs though versus uh, like so. Well, a, lot always, comes, a lot of it comes from the hops, but it's all beer. And yeah. I'm, so I just I don't touch beer anymore. Um, is, that's that's what that's why we have so many girly men is because they sit around drinking craft brews all day. Yeah, and for the guys that just drink a whole lot of cheap beer, it's why they have man boobs. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's funny, and I've. There's a there's a Twitter uh, page I follow called Herculean Strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have a lot of good stuff, and they actually echoed that sentiment about you know beer causing you know causing you know basically causing estrogen production in your body. And so they're the kind of thing you know all the people that follow them they you know they're all about the manly things and eating meat working out and working on your purpose as a man and rediscovering masculinity and re-embracing masculinity and all this. And so all the people that follow them are always basically cheerleaders for all that. And all their comments are from people that are all about that. They did that one thing on beer. I'm not giving up my beer. I'm not giving up my beer. And I'm just like, <laughs> fuck up. And I just, <laughs> Somebody turns around and says, your beer is making you less manly. And all these guys are like, that's bullshit. That's yeah, such and bullshit. And these are the guys that, you know, I'm not, nobody's right 100% of the time, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I like Herculean strength because I think they're right more often than not. But, you know, 
everyone gets it wrong at some point. But these are the guys that will, they'll, you know, if you're following, it's because you agree with them. And they'll yeah. cheerlead every post they make. And maybe they'll even have membership for them. They attack beer. Uh-oh, I'm keeping my beer. No. That is so funny. How, dude, yeah. Can't give that shit up. So anyways, what are you drinking, John, besides you're not drinking so beer? I'm, I'm drinking a <laughs> Pinot Noir. You're not a fan of Pinot Noir, per se. I, as no. much as I do do like wines, I am. Uh, That's because a- they will use terms like zesty. Lemon zest when you just, or grassy, when you describe a Pinot Noir. And I'm sorry to say, but a Pinot Noir should never ever, like a red wine should never taste lemony, zesty, or grassy. But white should? Dude, that's the point of a white. Anyway, lush and jammy. <laughs> okay. Jammy. Lush and jammy. Jammy. Okay. With salted caramel notes. Oh, okay. Cooper and Thief. Cooper and Thief, but is it aged in a bourbon barrel? Brandy barrel. So that's the difference. So they've done, they've gone and taken this. You get that brand, that's the caramel notes that you get, right? You're getting that that brandy flavor to it. They take red zins and put them in bourbon barrels, right? So you get that like, really kind of like smokiness uh, that gets paired with the, the Red Zin. But as far as like, if you look at any other Pinot Noir in the market, they'll be like, it's lemony. It's zesty. It's oh, grassy. I don't know about, don't know <laughs> you know, that. it, um, that's just shit. I, like, I don't, it's a horrible I don't wine. A, <laughs> I don't have the palate for all that. I, I don't. So yeah. I've had wines that I've liked and I've had wines that I don't care for. Yeah. And well, Pinot typically, Noir is, and I'm more of a white guy. And I don't know many people. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say they prefer whites to reds. But yeah, um, I've heard I that do. Before. I do personally. But as far as reds go, I like Pinot Noirs. I like Chiantis, and I like Merlots. Wait, wait, wait! You prefer whites over reds? Yes. And that's I said I'm about the only person. I'm about the only person I've ever met that says that. That's why but, you love Pinots. But yeah, well, Pinots, Chiantis, and Merlots. No, like Chianti. I don't uh, care Chianti. for Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, but Chianti's going to be more of like your like. It makes sense that you go from from a white to a Pinot. Like that makes sense in my mind. A white to a Chianti doesn't make sense because a Chianti tends to be a more drier, richer, bolder wine, like red wine. So why does it have to be white to red? I'm just saying, it's person who prefers well, just, white. Because your palate prefers that more like acidic, um, you know, like a high acidity, high, high, uh, high lemony flavor that you typically get from white wines. Uh, that's why Pinots, Pinots have more of that kind of high acidic taste to it. Uh, so more of a, more of a sour kind of taste versus. Did you say lemony? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> You say lemony, um, lemony snickered. Uh, whatever. Anyways, I really like how I look in this webcam. We only do this audio, right? Yeah, yeah. But John wants us to like do video, so John's like, I really want this to like. I want this definition oh, no, of my six pack to just show in my chest. No, 
like my pecs no. to pop through your screen. Okay. Yes, I, I want that. Yes, I do want that. But my problem right now is the exact opposite. The way I'm looking is like, man, I still look like the fat guy. The way yeah. I'm like, this chair leans back, and it's like, oh god, no, 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 wait. Damn it! What about me? Do I do I look like a fat guy? Do I no? Look but at that? you're skinny and you're small. Okay. I'm not. You already have like small. old man. You already have like old man arms. Old man arms? What the fuck are you talking about? Old man arms? What are old man arms, motherfucker? Like they're like. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I don't have a lot of shape there yet, but look at that sucker! It's dude. Man. That's my. That is my try. That is not old man arms. That is my tricep. <laughs> Whatever you said. Whatever you uh, say. <laughs> man, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. All right. Um, oh, damn it. Uh, into our, if, if our audience was viewing this, John is now showing his man boobs and his belly. So, yeah. I can't. Like, it's not working. Yeah, I saw I- plenty. I do have the tri- the triangle coming. Like, <laughs> just don't even, John. Nobody cares. I don't need to see it. I just see. I just see. No. I can't hear you. So I know. I know. It's just, John. See, put your shirt back on. <laughs> Everything John knows about bodybuilding, he's learned from YouTube. And he's not even listening. He's getting his shirt back on. Dang it, John. Uh, nobody's even watching a YouTube video. He cannot even show off at this right. point in time. And this I'm is back. how he chooses. Uh, I'm back. All right, I'm back. Back, John. No, no, it's it's there. It's starting. It is starting to come in. I am getting the upside down triangle. It's getting in there. Right. Well, now that you've ruined the camera, I'm very happy for you, John. I'm very happy for you. I, you just don't let me meet your new girl. That's all I can say. <laughs> we don't talk about females on this podcast anymore because it's bad luck, I found. So we're not going to talk about any females at all. Um, all right. Bad so, luck. yeah, it's bad luck, man. Every every time I've talked about a female, it's ended in disaster. Yeah, so, in this light or however I look, like, look at my eyes. Blue? Uh-huh. Yeah. I swear my eyes are more gray. But they are blue in this in this light. John, John, let me let me stare. Let me stare into your eyes dreamily. Hey, I have asked you to marry me several times and you've shot me down, so I don't fly that way. <laughs> Who said anything about that? It would purely be a marriage of brotherhood. <laughs> can we just be brothers and not do the whole marriage thing? Like can we just is, I, will that work? I trust you more than anyone else. Well, it's the same here. So I John. can't imagine being I I can't imagine anybody I'd want to be married to more. John, you complete me. <laughs> you complete me. So why not? <laughs> All right, anyways, we're moving on. <laughs> You never told me what you're drinking. That's what I'm trying to talk about. And you're proposing marriage. I did not propose marriage to you. I brought up the fact that I have in the past. 
Uh, I love you, brother. I really do. Okay. Uh, John, John knows the perfect way to make people feel uncomfortable. He just, he just knows the perfect way to do it. Um, it, it, It's a talent I have. It's the reason we have stayed like friends for so long, probably when it comes down to it, because that's the thing. And I've noticed you're probably really my only friend. Stuck well, around us because my other friends I've lost contact with. I have never yeah. really truly bonded with like anybody since you know I left and everything like that. I have a couple, or at least one I can think of off the top of my head. But see, I have a thing, and I think a lot of people probably would say the same thing, but I have really noticed it in my life. When you first meet me, you're like, Hey, he's a cool guy. I like him. Nice, good guy, whatever. You get to know me a little bit, and you're like, Oh, like. Man, he's weird, and he can be grumpy real t- sometimes, and then he's either won't shut up or he won't say anything. He's like all or nothing. Yeah. Uh, kind of a downer. I don't really get him. I don't really know if I like being hang- hanging out with him. So you get to know me a little bit, and maybe you don't like me anymore. There is a time period in there that if somebody manages to stick around for that time period, and kind of gets on my wavelength, I think I become like one of your favorite people. Yeah. It's that transition period that most people don't make it through. <laughs> Dude, I've met so many people who have met you. Uh, like, okay, females in the past who have met you, and they're just like, I don't know why you hang out with John. I don't know why you hang. And it was just like, he's a, he, he's like somebody who grows on you. It's, it's because. I used to blame it on Russell. I'm gonna put. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. When I first I met you, I don't was, think you're wrong there. Yeah, I had blamed that whole thing on. I was like, I don't really get along with John or Russell because they're both just freaking weird, right? Who are these two weirdos? It's, right. Nothing against Russell. Wherever he is in life, I hope he's happy. Yeah. Um, but we had kind of meshed in elementary school and middle school. And even like within those last couple of years, I kind of realized we weren't really friend material, but we were just kind of forced to be together. Yeah. And it was the first couple of years in high school where I was trying to break away. And you know what? I probably didn't handle that situation as well as I could have. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, a freshman in high school. I was an idiot. And yeah. so I kind of had this like Russell problem that I was trying to get away from. <laughs> Everyone just thought I was cool with Russell and I wasn't. And I, I was yeah. the one like not wanting to be friends with him even before I got to high school. And I said, I, I feel bad saying this now. Cause like I said, I hope he's happy wherever he is. It just, you know, that was not a good situation. Cause we were really, it was almost like a couple, we were fighting all the time. And it was, it didn't match. But it was, but I noticed that with you, Cameron, Jared, everyone, like in middle of high school, nobody wanted to hang out with me. And then come like the first couple of years after high school, everyone wanted to hang out with me out of our circle. I mean, yeah, because well, because you, and, I mean, we you all we hung out through that like like man, I still remember like, summer between junior and senior year of high school, I was alone. Every time I called somebody, they were busy. Nobody wanted to hang out. Everything I I had like no companionship all summer long. But through that transition period, like come after high school, I never had a problem with you wanting to hang out or Jared or Cameron or anyone wanting to hang out because 
I'm telling you, it's that first meet me. Oh, he's kind of cool. Get to know me a little bit. No, ooh, he's weird. He's he's a downer. But that it takes that time to get to get me. I guess. Yeah. So it's and most people just do not make it through that. Yeah, you have. Well, I think it helped too that you and I. We had that whole house situation, right? Like yeah. it was you and I that kind of, I think we bonded closer out of that because we were both kind of going through the same exact thing. And Absolutely. we saw the same shit. House. I went into that house saying Jared was my best friend. I came out yeah. of that house saying you were my best friend. So, yeah. and, and I said the yeah. same thing. Trust that me, was, it was the same way. I was like, I went into that house saying the same exact thing. 2001? Oh, dude, I don't even no, that, remember. It was... 2002. So that was 2002. Yeah. And when was the last time either one of us talked to Jared? No, uh, part uh, of that is June. Uh, yeah. It was 2008. The last time I had any interaction with Jared was 2008. Yeah, I think I saw them the one time you come into town or something, and we both kind of just showed up at their house, and then it was like, okay, peace. Right? Because again, it was just. Nothing had changed in like so many years. It was the same old Jared and, yeah, and Kurt and, and Jake. And yeah. I was married. I had a kid, and there was, I said that last time because it, it was Jake, Kurt, and Jared in the house. And they're like, "Well, let's watch Hot Tub Time Machine." And I want that hour and a half of my life back. That's one of the few movies I feel that way about. Like, <laughs> right. So, so it, would it, again, wherever he is, I hope he's happy. But yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah, that's so. The, the thing I mean, there you go. Brief, yeah. So again, now brief history of John and Steve. Um, <laughs> we would be what I would call friends since the ninth grade. Yeah, and we've been what I would call best friends since two thousand two. Yep. So, agree. Agree. All right. That was all good. I love John very much. Now you heard the history behind you heard the history behind John and I, and we still haven't talked about what I'm going to want to drink. We're 20 minutes into this damn thing, and we still haven't like talked about like (laughs) we haven't gotten to the meat and potatoes of this whole podcast yet. And the German audience is going, dude. The German audience is sitting there just fast forwarding to this shit. Like we don't even. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. The key is to ramble. I've noticed. I, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes down to it, that's what we're good at. So, um, you know. Anyways, we're doing this now. So, John, before the podcast, John told me that he was getting a Pinot Noir. Uh, and I, I have one that I have stored away uh, that uh, I probably won't be drinking for a little bit of time. But I decided instead... To do because I just couldn't do a Pinot tonight. I just couldn't, so I decided to do this. It's from Francis, the Francis Ford Coppola. It's a Petite Syrah. It's called I Mille. Um, it is so it stands for one hundred miles, I believe, or one thousand miles, or one thousand, one thousand. Okay, and it basically it's so it's 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 there you go. Anyways, it is um, a very peppery, awesome. Petite Syrah. Like, this is probably one of the best ones that I've ever had. And when I'm no longer a member of the Francis Ford Coppola Winery, I'll be very sad that I don't get this one. So, there it. 
That is what I'm drinking. I'm drinking a Francis Ford Coppola Petite Syrah. So. Excellent. Yep. All right, John. So we left off. John was writing the prologue. John technically has been writing the prologue till this week. Um, now, obviously, he's had a lot of like life being like a lot of life happening while he was writing this prologue. So he kind of took a bit of a break from it all. But it's um, going to hear it's done. I was going to, I was like, man, I hope he doesn't notice me lick the like bottleneck. And then like you straight up filleted that thing. You were like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't let wine go to waste, brother. You can't. <laughs> well, I know. Okay, fine. But so it's like, oh crap, uh, there's a little drip on the side. I better like, oh, I hope he didn't see that. And like, you just didn't give a damn. You're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quick! All right, quick. Let me, let are, me back are we going to talk about this shit? Or are we going to like? Yes, talk but let me back because yeah, yeah, yeah. we're, right, we're right. talking about what we're drinking. So yes, I'm drinking a wine right now. However, I had my good my go to dirty martini as a warm up before I got home. I had one at the bar real quick. A warm up. So John has been pre-gaming this whole thing. I pre-gamed. And not only that, but I have a new favorite gin, especially, well, at least for Dirty Martinis, uh, Roots of Ruin. That's actually a pretty root, cool fucking name. Roots of Ruin or Roots and Ruin. Um, peppery, licorice. It doesn't sound like it would play with a Dirty Martini, but man, does it. Oh, man, it plays so well with the Dirty Martini, with the brininess of olives that I love. Yeah, but is it's actually it's a hundred and three proof or a hundred and six proof? It's fifty three percent. The first time I um, so I started going to this bar that's right next to my gym, and the the bartender works there, and she's like my new favorite bartender now. And I just happened over here that she likes gin, and I like gin, so we started talking, and so she started. She's who introduced me to it. And man, she was not lying about this gin. And we talk about it all the time. And that was, but the first time she served this to me, she's like, because basically I just put myself in her hands. Like, mm-hmm. you're the expert. You tell me. Because uh, the first time I went to that bar, I, I found I'd never heard it's striped pig. I'd never heard of it. Um, so I was like, oh, well, I'll give this a shot. You know, let me try this gin I've never heard of. It's actually a local gin here. And it was not the gin for a dirty martini uh, because it has lavender and citrus notes to it. Yeah. yeah. Does not work. Does not work with the braininess. Found out it goes fantastic with a greyhound. Works wonderfully with a greyhound. And there's another cocktail called a pollinator that that bar just happens to serve. Works very well with that. So I put myself in her hands, tried this gin, fell in love with it had two martinis and that's when I looked it up and I was like, Oh, this is 53 alcohol percent by volume alcohol. So it's 106 proof. So <laughs> before I left that, I'm like, you need to serve me like three diet Cokes, like right now before I try. <laughs> and I had eaten even like I was, I had duck that night, which was great. Um, but it was, why yeah. diet Coke? Just one. I'm not going to drink Coke Coke. Um, yeah, I just, I just needed something like, you just served me two martinis of a hundred of 
you know, 53% by volume alcohol. I need like stuff in me. Like I need something in me to, to thin it out. That's not okay. correctly how you avoid a DUI. I don't drink and drive. I just, that was how the night worked. Um, <clears throat> I just so never heard long, like, I guess I've never heard, heard of like, were you looking it up? Yeah. Yeah. Castle and key roots, roots of ruin. Yeah. Roots of Ruin. I couldn't remember if it was Roots and Ruin or Roots of Ruin. So they have, to do a, uh, they have to do a Restoration Rye Whiskey and a Slow Hand Single Barrel Rye Whiskey. And then they have a Rise 2021 Seasonal Spring Gin. Mm. So, yeah, my new favorite gin. Oh, they've got a Sacred Spring Vodka, too. So they've got vodka. So basically, really a couple of good ones and then bullshit. Gin and vodka. Yeah, I know we need to talk about the story, but I need to, because technically that is also what I was drinking tonight. Was I had a, my go-to dirty martini with roots of ruin, right. and it works. Oh man, does it work! Oh, go. so good, so good. All right. Well, there you go. All right, John. John drinking his dirty martinis now. When you drink it, I have to know. We've asked this question: vermouth or just olive juice? When I make them at home, vermouth. I have I don't pay attention to what my bartender does. I just trust her. You should ask her, since uh, you oh. seem to have a crush on this one. No, no, yeah, no. That's she. She's now just my therapist. Um, <laughs> she's she hasn't reached the. She saw the I'm John's the cool phase, and then she's like, "This guy's just fucking weird." That's that's no. the phase that she's in right now. I was like. I'm, my head space is a mess right now. I'm not fucking not thinking about it. She just caught my eye, but I was like, you know what, whatever. And I did tell her that I was like, you're my new favorite therapist. And she's <laughs> like, I hear that a lot. <laughs> she, she chuckled at that and she said, well, I wouldn't trust me with life. I wouldn't come to me for, for life advice. And, and I was just like, like, I don't need life advice. I just need you to fill my prescription. Does she, does she have a, a, a Southern accent? Not that I've noticed. Okay. You know, you would think that'd be real common, and maybe if you go to certain places, it is. But I almost never notice. Not, I in Charleston, I didn't notice it. Every time that I've been to Charleston, I don't, I don't, I don't notice it. It's, it's more like I think the deeper south you go, obviously. But Charleston seems like you, one of those you, cities that's you, like a blend. You kind of have everything. to get, you kind of have to get out in the sticks. And Charleston has a lot of you know blending and transplants. Like yeah, yeah. As much as you want to avoid the south. You know, like the one of the Charleston's not like that at all. Charleston's very cosmopolitan. Well, you've been to Charleston twice. You've seen yeah. it's a very upbeat, chic town. I, I like Charleston as far as a city. As far as I don't like to be in cities, yeah. but as far as having a city close to me, it could do a lot worse than Charleston. I'll tell you that. Agreed. Um, Agreed. It's, I like going down there. It's, yeah. I, I heard a lot of people tell me like Savannah has a better nightlife and it's not that far away. So they're like, for a Friday night, take the extra 90 minutes drive and go to Savannah instead of Charleston. But I have not done that myself yet. So I mean, I want to go visit Savannah. I've been to Georgia plenty of times because my mommy slid out in Georgia. I'm not going to lie, though. I fucking hate the South. Like every single time I've gone to Georgia, I'm like, this place sucks. And so I really don't want to go to Savannah and experience more of the South 
Like it's just, it's just like, it's such a weird place. Now I don't mind the history. The history is great. The South has awesome history, but I just don't know. know, Like you keep and you keep trying to convince me to go to Florida, and yet I'm sorry, but when when the when when the news reports are like start Florida man does that's a cliche. It's not a cliche. Florida man gives squirrel meth. <laughs> that that is a real straight from the headlines headline. That is real. You know? Florida sure, but... woman wrestles alligator to save dog. What the fuck? That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome in that she saved her dog. It's fucking weird that you have to wrestle an alligator to save your fucking dog. Alright? Alligator. Fucking live. I don't think do Colorado to- man saves dog from moose. All right, you know, like we don't get that shit. Moose very recently got reintroduced to Colorado. They're not common. It'd be more like mountain lion, and that happens. There's never been. I have not seen a Colorado person saves dog from mountain lion kind of bullshit. Um, and that's way could. better than fucking gator. <laughs> I just I don't understand your hatred of the South, but what you're thinking of the South, if you get into the cities, it's not like that. Charleston's not like that. Dude, Savannah's not like that. Columbia's I, I, not like I that. I spent enough time in Atlanta to know that it's like that. So Fuck Atlanta. Atlanta is a hot Chicago. <laughs> no, Chicago is way better than Atlanta. Chicago to our listening audience would agree on this. Chicago and Atlanta, Chicago doesn't like Atlanta doesn't hold a candle to Chicago. Chicago is. I was just reading. More kids have died in Chicago from gunshot wounds than have died from Corona. I'm not going to the fucking ghetto of Chicago. That's all it is. That's not all it is, brother. But again, that's. Screw Atlanta. Atlanta is a Chicago that gets hot. That's all Atlanta. All right, fair. Uh, you know what? I'll give you. I'll give you the fact that it gets hot. Savannah, I will give Savannah has the culture and you know the nightlife. Yeah, you know the <laughs> the the antebellum <laughs> culture. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, <No. laughs> no. you have to go into the sticks for antebellum. Oh, really? I was like. That's one of the things, like, when I came here first, when I first came to South Carolina, I was like, I was kind of, I know, like, Nikki Haley kind of caused the stink with, she changed the South Carolina flag and all that, because it used to have the Confederate flag on it, whatever. So I was kind of expecting to see that everywhere. No, there's, like, one store in the area that I go by, and it's called Dixieland or something like that, and it has, like, a rebel flag in the window. Yeah. If you if you want to see that, you got to go to upstate South Carolina into the like the southern tip of the Appalachians. Down here in the Low Country with Charleston, it's not like that at all. Yeah, again, and, it makes sense though because again, like Charleston is is kind of that melting pot, and it seems you get a lot of like East Coast New Yorkers, like Northeasterner style people that kind of moved in or use it as a vacation area. So. Yes. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, it is a port city. Because mm-hmm. back in the old days in the South, it was the port city of the South. Yeah. This was, this was actually the hub of the slave trade. All the slaves that came from Africa were dropped off in Charleston. 
<laughs> yeah, um, people forget like it. Charleston just doesn't. It's it's not the history of Charleston. Isn't just the Civil War. Like one of the largest battles of the the independence, the War of Independence, was like fought in Charleston, Charleston Harbor. So like. It's it's amazing when when people like people always equate like oh the the, uh, the 1776 wars and all that with with the northern states with like Boston yeah. and New York and all but they forget like one of the biggest wars was fought right there in Charleston Harbor and that's that's yeah. amazing when you think about that history and, and, and Virginia has a lot of Revolutionary War history too yeah, yeah. Virginia's Revolutionary War history um, anyway I'm just. Uh, because moving forward, I I want to live in the same city as you, and I want to do yeah. the podcast in person. Yeah, but I don't want to come back to Colorado. Well, and you you are very hesitant about what you want to move, but I love the ocean. I love it to death. So we've got to we've got to find a place that works, and also I, I mean, hate winter. Don't don't get so, me wrong, man. Like. I hate winter. I'm really tired of co- like there's pieces that I'm just like, I love the ocean. Right. You know that like every, every, every vacation I go on is to ocean. Right. So I'm not going to the but middle of the mountain. What's that? But you stay on the beach. <laughs> Shut up. Um, anyways, <laughs> so I don't swim. Um, anyways, <laughs> I caught that Probably. bonnet head. You know, back on the you know, July second, I caught that four foot bonnet head off. I know, I fucking saw that. And it's a freaking and you were like, shark. see, see, I was. It's the smallest species of hammerhead shark. That was not a baby. That was basically full grown. And you're like, see, fucking that's why it's still getting you. I'm like, it's a bonnet head. It's harmless. It is it's not like, harmless. It has big fucking teeth that will bite your fucking foot. I do. I do not know of an instance of a bonnet head attacking anyone. It's a big. We're gonna look this shit up. What is it? What? How do you spell it? Bonnethead. Bonnethead shark. It is the smallest species of of hammerhead shark. It is not a great hammerhead like you get out in Hawaii. And like, like they were freaking out down in Florida with those giant swarms of black tip reef sharks. Black tip reef sharks are harmless. There's like a couple instances of divers reported getting bit by uh, black tips, and they were always in murky water. And it was just basically the black tip mistake mistook their foot for a fish or something like that. And they bit and were like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. And then they they piss off. So there you Nobody's go. Ever, there have been ever, unprovoked attacks on a human that have been recorded. So there have been unprovoked attacks on humans that have been recorded. So it will fucking bite you and so, eat you. Like, so will a dog. Yeah, but a dog it takes bonnet more to piss off a dog than it does a shark. A shark goes. Nothing to worry about from a bonnet head shark. A there's, shark there's goes. Like, I'm hungry, like, and this looks like a tasty morsel. And a bonnet head might might bite you and be like, "Oh, whoops! Oh, I got to miss." There are like three species of shark you have to worry about: great whites, tigers, and great hammerheads. Yeah, and tigers live in Hawaii. Okay, Guess what? maybe maybe bull sharks. Okay. Tigers technically, live in Hawaii. Tigers, they live in way more places than Hawaii. Technically, tigers can make their way up to here in South Carolina. Okay. But but they're predominantly tropical. They're more in Florida, the Bahamas, down into the Caribbean, Hawaii, way, South Pacific. 
So um, swimming in the oceans of Hawaii, swimming in the Pacific Ocean, I am bound at some point to probably run into a tiger shark and possibly get bit by a tiger shark. Thank you. I'm going to take the risk out. Okay, there's like 50,000 automobile accident deaths in the United States alone every year. There's like maybe eight, six to eight recorded shark deaths every year. Recorded. 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 Why? Recorded. As opposed to 50,000 auto accident deaths in the U.S. every year. All right. Either way, we're not going to argue about this. I don't want to argue about it. People freak the fuck out I don't out about swim in the fucking ocean. Okay. Here's... <laughs> we're, we're, we're <laughs> you really should, man. Salt water is great for your skin. No, it's not. It dries you the fuck out. I don't know what you're talking about. Um... It's great Anyways, for your skin. You're you're fucked up. <laughs> John, I love you. I'm not swimming in the ocean ever. Anyways. Well, we gotta talk about where where we're okay, yeah, yeah. Where, so I, I have this where, thing. Where about, are we going to compromise and live together? Stop, 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 stop. Listen listen to what I'm saying, all right? I have this thing about like Colorado in general. Like I I feel like we're Christian. I know, I get it. But dude, 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 stop. We are Christian, all right? You're Christian, I'm Christian, right? And sometimes you just have to, sometimes you just have to go where you're being led, right? I've been led here. I I moved away. I came back. I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. Now, that may change in the future. I don't know when that will change. I have a feeling it will change at some point, but I don't know when. I can just tell you right now, I feel like I'm supposed to be here, right? That's the most that I can say. And and so I have to do, I have to be obedient to that. I have to listen to that. It has nothing to do. Dude, you still got six years in the fucking Navy, right? Five, six years. Three. Okay, sorry. Oh, damn, three. Okay. So you're still three years away from even having a conversation of us even moving to a different state because South Carolina may change for you, Right. Well, I have to move away from it in a year. Yeah. The question is whether I come back. Fair enough. Now, because you and you brought that up, I am very happy with my church. Mm-hmm. But you I can technically very, find a church family anywhere in the United States or anywhere. Can, not denying that. I'm just saying I am very happy with this church. Mm-hmm. Mostly happy with the area. Like I said, I would prefer to just be in the tropics. Yeah. I don't need seasons. Seasons are overrated. Give me the tropics. Thank I, you. I loved Guam. Like, like I said, when you came out to visit me in Guam, I love it there. I love living there. As far as a vacation spot, I don't recommend it. But as far as the climate, that's where I want to live, not Guam specifically, but give me the tropics. Give me Bali. Give me Southeast yeah. Asia. Give me the Caribbean. Give me Hawaii. Give me the tropics. I, I visited South in Guam, Carolina. and I have to say I don't understand people who say they want to live in Guam. Like, I just don't get it. Like, it's just, Guam it's is not it's like... Purely climate. Purely yeah. climate. Um, it's a little more low-key than... Actually, it's a lot more low-key than Hawaii. Um, yeah, it's just not a vacation spot. It's a vacation yeah. spot for the Japanese. 
in Japan, it's it's a, it's the poor man's Hawaii. Like the Japanese that can afford it all go to Hawaii. If they can't afford Hawaii, they go to Guam. So there's like no American tourism to Guam. Yeah, it's all except it's for all me visiting you. Yeah, <laughs> and then like it's so mostly Japanese, but Koreans have kind of been coming up. A lot of Koreans go to Guam now too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as people moving there, it's a lot of Filipinos. Yeah. Um, like just for the pure climate's sake, it's a great place. It's kind of place I want to live, but it's not a tourist destination. Tourist destination, but yeah, like that's why for living, I don't necessarily think I will be in America when I retire. That's why I was looking at Belize. Mm-hmm. I could retire in Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Thailand. Singapore is a little too expensive. Philippines. It's not necessarily high on my list. But I could do it. You got to um, go, though. You need to go. Um, let me put it this way, though. You also have to think of your kids in this situation. They'll be grown. Oh, well, by the time you retire, yeah. But when you get out of the Navy, you still have to think about your kids and where you're going to be. I do, to an extent. But I, I'm, I am meant to wander. That's why I want the sailboat. Yeah, and just I—that is my calling. But as ter- in, in terms of a home base, Charleston's not bad. Charleston's like a nice consolation. It's like a silver medal to me because the winter <laughs> the winters are not as bad as like Colorado, yeah. but it still gets cold here. Yeah, I still can't go into the ocean year round here. It's like the, the swimming season is ending here, like right now. But in from like June to like now, the water is every bit as warm as it is in Guam or Hawaii or in Bali or anywhere else. And I love it. But I cannot go jump in the ocean in January here like I could yeah. in Guam. Uh, but it's still nice. So this is not a place that I would, or, or I, phrasing that wrong, this is a place I could settle. I mm. like it here. Would I like to be further south? Yeah. But I have to think about, you know, all the different things. This is not a place. This is not a bad place. Yeah. I, I like it here. This is my kind of place. I, as far as cities go, Charleston's a nice city. As far as climate, mostly it works for me because screw winter. I don't understand voluntarily living any place. I, I mean, freezing. I, I'm, I I'm right there with you. Here, but it's, it's yeah, yeah. very limited. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to, I'm right there with you. Like I, I, I don't understand people who, who just enjoy the hell out of winter. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like, why would you want I to? I can live? understand. Like, I have a friend here who, he enjoys snowboarding and skiing, so I can enjoy, I can understand enjoying winter sports. Yeah, but then you go visit someplace that's winter, and you ski and snowboard. And then you fucking leave. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But there's still that wild part of me, like, I, I, as much as I like living where it's warm, 
the adventurous part of me wants to go into the Canadian wilds. It wants to go up into like the northern part of Finland, Norway, Sweden, kind of, you know. Yeah, I don't, but during I don't the summer. I don't, the winter too, not because I want to be cold or anything like that, but the adventure part. The manly adventure part of it speaks to me. Not that I want to be cold or anything like that. I want to sail around Cape Horn in the middle of, well, for us, summer, but for winter down there mm-hmm. alone. That's suicide. That's not suicide. People do it all the time, but it's dangerous. It's risky. It's adventure. Why, why during the winter? Is there tons of icebergs or something or icebergs, storms? You know, it's, it's stormier, rougher waves. It's, and it's might be stupid. And it might just be a sentiment on my part that'll never happen. Fine. But it's just, the adventure of it calls to me. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that's what shaped the world. Men feeling that way. Yeah. I mean, that's true. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's that sense of adventure is what gave us the manifest destiny. It's what basically shaped America. Right. Like it was like without, Without the need to explore to like America, like go from like one end of America to the other, we would have never known what was out there. So, shaped America, yes, but shaped the world. Shaped the world. I, I have a new song I absolutely adore. Well, it's not new, it's very, very old, but I only recently mm-hmm. heard it Northwest Passage. Um, it's a Canadian folk song. And what's funny is it's, it's like, Done uh, is like a sea shanty, even though it's technically about going over land, and it's about the 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 sea that is part of the Arctic Ocean, way up there in the northwest and Yukon territories, by Atlantic the Beaufort Sea, and it's talking about like in the old days getting there by sea, but wanting to go there over land, and that is the idea of crossing miles upon miles of wilderness to get there. There's no yeah. reason. It's just the sheer manly, masculine adventure of it. Hmm. And that appeals to me so much. I always like, um, you know, movies like, well, uh, The Revenant, right? Which is like, basically, it's the same idea. It's, it, it's a survival story, but it's like man against the wild, right? man having to cross the Arctic tundra. So like almost, and not really, but just, you know, just having to get from one into the other exploring, you know, um, and living, uh, off the wild. So, um, well, John, I will never explore the wilds with you. Because I just don't see the need for it right now. But you are more than welcome to. All right. We've had enough, like, conversation around... We haven't done this in a while, so... I know, this is... We had to get this 
I guess so. John, John and I haven't really even had a conversation in like we really have like we haven't even just talked in a long time, have we? Right, a lot of short text messages back and forth, but but it hasn't really been like a conversation. Conversation. Well, so. I want to live in the same place as you for I know. that reason. But then, have you ever heard the term "absence makes the heart grow fonder"? <laughs> And on that note, we're done. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the last podcast episode ever. <laughs> um. Anyways, though, John, let's talk about what, like, what we've been like, really kind of going up. So, so you have recently finished your prologue right it's done my prologue it's is done. done and you started you know what catch us up on everything tell tell us tell us about your writing um you expressed to me uh a lot of like things that you've kind of learned in this process and let's delve into it like one by one but but catch us up at least on where you're at what you've been doing um and why it took you so fucking long motherfucker i'm joking drama Drama. But I knuckled down and did it. And I said, part of it was the last thing I did purely entertainment wise was I rewatched Fringe. I love Fringe. So I rewatched Fringe. But once that was done, it was like, ah, well, I have no interest in watching anything else. I'm kind of coming out of my depression. Um, my anger, my wrath really abated within the last couple of weeks. I still have it. It's not gone away. I still have to battle with my like just primal vindictive retribution urges. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my anger has turned to sadness recently in, in terms of pity. I hate to say it, pity. But that pity will all be for naught if I just go on in life and be a fuck up. Um, and that's part of the reason why I have found a newfound motivation. Explain that though. What do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean your pity will be for not if, if you become a, cause you can't be a fuck up in this case. If, if I just do nothing, you know, if I just run out the clock and do nothing. So I've obviously I've taken, you know, the last month I've started on a year long event journey on getting into the best shape of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's the physical side of it. So the mental side of it is I've always, in my opinion, felt I have a talent for the written word and I was not writing. So it was like, all right, it's time to start writing. And we talked about this. And, you know, when we started this, this podcast used to be about pop culture kind of topics, mm-hmm. some political topics. But then we kind of tried to focus, like we were going to make this a podcast about the creative process of me actually finally knuckling down and writing a book. Yep. And then personal circumstances led me to like, you need to stop dicking around and write your freaking book. You need to fucking like, just like the year long project on my physical health and my, you know, fitness time to focus on a long-term project. You think you're a writer? fucking write something. And so this is where we're at. And 
I have my idea. So the storyline, and I, I know I told you like a week or so ago that maybe this is going to just end up being one novel after all. When I really kind of started thinking about it, maybe a long novel, but it might just be one novel. Why? Maybe, so why is that though? Like, what, 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 what in your thought process changed? Why? Why is suddenly that? I think maybe the reason why is I have the conclusion of this in my head, and I have the beginning in my head, and I have all the main points, the big. I have the broad strokes in my head, beginning yeah. to end. But when it came down to details, it actually a storyboard, if you will, in my head. I had a first book really more or less mapped out how I wanted how how I wanted it to look. I didn't really have enough content to fill a second and especially a third book in my head. Or actually it might be more accurate to say I might I had more content to fill a third book. I didn't really have enough content in my head to fill a second book. That I think that's actually more accurate. Okay. Um, so it kind of came down to maybe this will just end up being one longer story as opposed to a trilogy. And that might not end up being the case. That's just kind of, that was the thought I had at the time. The thing is, so broad strokes speaking storyboard wise, whether this is three books, whether it's two, whether it's one, I have my ending, I have my beginning, and I have the main key points between the two. So it's just a matter of the details. It's a matter of writing it and putting it out. And how do I get from that, from point A to point Z? Okay. So I I know I I have a pretty good idea how I want to start Chapter one. I, I think I'm going to start that tomorrow night. But the prologue is done. It is done. It is in the bag. Minus, yes, it's a first draft. But as far as first draft speaking, prologue is in the bag. And it came out, okay. what did I say? 4,473 4, words or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. I have no clue. <clears throat> I can't remember. I, I know I told you because. Yeah, you did yeah. tell me. I just can't remember why. Uh... Like how many it actually was. You're drinking water. I am drinking water. Um, I'm drinking water and wine because I got to work out tomorrow morning. So I don't want to like be crazy wino and not be hydrated. Um, <clears throat> okay. So you, you have finished the prologue. Now you're working on chapter one. How far into chapter one have you gotten? Because you haven't no. shared any chapter. You shared the prologue with me. I haven't that was started it. chapter one yet. I'm going to start chapter one tomorrow, I think. Okay, cool. So you talked about some like thought processes that you had while you were going through the prologue. Like things that basically got you off your ass to start writing the prologue again. Because you, we, you had been halfway through, I want to say. What I read of the prologue was at least halfway through when we really started kicking this off, I think I had a sentence. Yeah. Uh, you had a little bit more than that. You had a couple of paragraphs. And then by the second podcast you had, it was, it was a good like chunk. It was almost like halfway of it. Like, and then, then you just kind of like all of a sudden out of nowhere, you sent me and you're like, prologue's done. And I was like, what the fuck? So what happened? What kicked you into gear? Cause I wasn't doing anything to kick you into gear. Cause you were going through life. So. And I, I haven't sufficiently followed this like I want to yet, but the whole idea of just every day, 
even if all you do is type one fucking word, work every day. I haven't quite done that yet, but at least every couple of days, everything like that. And I was just like, all right, got to get the get something. And, and like a couple of times. So I did update you here and there. Like, you know what? Yeah. I'll send this. But I've only added like two paragraphs here, you know, and that took me an hour or something like that. But it was okay. Finally, I've, and especially because the pair, the whole prologue, I knew what I wanted the prologue to be. Yeah. But it just seemed like as I was writing it, I was like, well, for that to make sense, I've got to add this and this. It's like, man, this prologue is going to get fucking long. And he said it turned into 4,400 words, I think. But it was because I knew what it, what I wanted. Um, you knew the direction you were going. Yes. Well, I, I knew how I wanted my prologue to begin, to begin and end. It was a matter of connecting those dots. And it just seemed like it would not make logical sense for those dots to connect without this and this and this. And it just kept going. But I think I wrapped it up. So I'm a little worried that I rushed towards the end. As an outsider, I will trust your judgment on that. Um, because you don't, you don't know what my process was. So I think just going in blind like that, you can have a better judgment over whether or not something was rushed or not. Um, well, I mean, I've got, I've got an idea on, on stuff already after, after kind of reading it, like there's, there's, I have some ideas, um, on, on things that I will continue to like ruminate on. I actually want to, um, and I, I don't know how you feel about this and I, I didn't want to just do it and then not like, <laughs> but I'm kind of just rewriting some pieces that I see in the prologue. Um, it is the first draft. Yeah. It yeah. Draft. So like, and I, I know that you've kind of looked at me as like your um, editor, so to speak, but yeah. um, like, I, I feel like I might be able to kind of like tighten some things up a bit. Right. And kind of change, change some ideas around a little bit, but still keep the same meat of it. Right. So at the, at the end of the day, there are things that I notice that like, um, you know, just how character interactions, maybe that kind of thing that, that might, that might flow different, that might flow differently. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, from a reader's standpoint versus the writer's standpoint. Right. So, um, but I wanted to get your feedback on that before I even did it, before I even touched it. Like, I don't want to touch it and be like, you know, um, and make you upset. And I know you're not going to get upset, but I, I don't want you to think that, like, I think what you did was kind Like, what what I read was great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it was, it was, it, it, from, from day one to, like, now where we're at, like, it's, 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 it flows really easily. It's a really good read and it draws you in. There were just things, minor things that I saw that, like, I'm like, maybe this could be tweaked a little bit, or maybe this could be tweaked a bit. So, you tell me. Perfectly understandable. And I don't know how this works with an actual editor, like when a writer, and obviously somebody who has more clout, like say Stephen King or somebody, has more power to put their foot down and say, "I wanted this for a certain reason." Where the pres of brand new author basically just kind of has, to, you know can't doesn't really have the clout to put their foot down and say there's a reason I'll put it this way and I'm going to keep it whereas you know an editor from an actual publisher says I want you to change this and this and that yeah so knowing that all I can say is if you think there's something wrong I'll take it on board and maybe there's a reason where I'm like there is 
I wanted it this way because of ABC. Yeah. Um, you know, for, I, I, I feel like a, the editor's job is typically they give the writer notes, right? They read it, they go through it. They, they know, I, for lack of a better like way of explaining it, like I've always felt like an editor understands how the reader is going to like absorb the material. Uh, so they know what sells, right? They've read a million books. They, they're probably English teachers by all accounts, right? At the end of the day, they've all gone through like English lit or something weird. Um, but from your standpoint, like I, all I can do is act, I guess, as maybe co-author, not really a true editor. Like I, I feel like at the, at the end of the day, like you're going to turn this in and you're going to send this to a publisher. They're going to give you an editor and the editor is going to be like, just note after note, after note, after note, almost like a script supervisor or a production, like a, a producer, right? Like you write a script and the producer and the director turn around and say, here's a shit ton of notes, right? Like, I, I feel like that's kind of what an editor does. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. If if one day maybe we meet an editor out of this whole project, um, they can finally with, reveal the, the curtain. With everything going on now, with basically eBooks just getting published through Amazon, you know. Yeah, I mean that that changes I, the ball game in so many ways. Basically, you, we can you know what I'm. I mean, you know what I'm doing here is like I'm I'm creating like I'm in the process of creating a website. Um, and this is my fault because I have not, but where you can you, publish your book, right? Where you can write this shit out and publish it right away. And maybe you're not an editor, but you've read a lot of books. So I, you know, as I want your, your opinion as you go through, like, how does this work for you as a reader? You know, and I, yeah. I, I, I don't see at the end of the day how you will be any less important to this than me. Yeah, I think the problem is, is that where I will be less important, unfortunately, is I am your friend, and that's about it, right? So, like, um, like I'm not really like. Has that ever stopped you from calling me out on anything, though? No, I mean, I call you out. I call you out on the bullshit. We both. This is why this relationship between you and I works out so well, because. I call you out on your shit and you call me out on my shit. Like this, this is, this is why this relationship is so good because John, I am unafraid to tell you when you're full of shit and I am unafraid to tell you that you need to like shape up or ship the fuck out and you do the same to me. So and yet you refuse my hand. Bring it up. I do. I I am holding out hope that I can have a sexual relationship with a female that offers the same benefits, and I'll still keep you around, John. There's there's no one that offers the same benefits as me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, A a sexual relationship. A sexual relationship offers way more benefits. Besides, I would never deny you said sexual relationship. It would purely be a bro marriage. <laughs> I, t- I told someone the purely other night about, 
I, I told someone the other night about about our brocation, and and she was very much like brocation. What is that? And I was like, it's you know, it's 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 basically my brother John and I going out and having a vacation together. It's a brocation. It's 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 no different than two females or a bunch of females getting together to have a vacation somewhere. It's we just call it a brocation because it's the one time that John and I get to like get out, get like really crazy and just have fun, which. Mm-hmm. We're going to do in freaking September for Boston and Aerosmith. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but we need yeah. something. Okay, we so we do need something bigger. I do need I, this. Okay, the podcast is not the right time to bring this up, but never mind. When is Spartan? Okay, well, we will talk about this offline uh, because well, I just, there's. I need to know because is it one long vacation? Is it two short it, ones? It, it. I will send. Like you just have to look at the schedule, and we have to start to talk about what what days you like. You can do it, or when you want to do it, that sort of thing. So I can tell you right now that in August next year, Hawaii is happening again. I want to do like Hawaii. Okay. To me, the Hawaii Spartan is an every year Spartan. I will run that sucker every single year. After this last one, I will run that one every single year. I don't care if it's cool. only a sprint. I don't care if it's the trifecta weekend. I will be there every year for the Hawaiian Spartan. Just that's that's what it is. I, it is worth it. Yeah, yeah. So I just need to know. So I'm taking two different leave periods for Spartan and Aerosmith, right? Yep. There you go. Because you said I mean, September. September what for Aerosmith? Uh, I'll have to double check. I'll have to look again, but it's September 20th or something like that. So it's right. it's a weekend in September, but yeah. So we got tickets to Aerosmith uh, for all those in the Aerosmith and their 50th anniversary tour. Basically, I in found out Boston. that they still have tickets in Boston. I have, I have no fucking advantage. I have Aerosmith. no desire to be in the Northeast. Any any of the news, New Jersey, New York, New England. I have no interest in any of that except for Arrow fucking Smith in motherfucking in Boston. Boston. So, holy for, for everyone, here's, here's how this here's how this went down though. Here's what John doesn't know about this whole situation is I John. I I heard that that they were doing that, that when they were doing it and how they were doing it. I literally looked it up that day. And I saw that they were doing that they had still tickets available. I bought two tickets without telling John. And then I texted him and said, do you want to go to Aerosmith? And he's like, yeah, but I don't know. In Boston. I was like, and he's like, I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. You have to see Aerosmith in Boston. (laughs) That's just a fucking rule. So out of nowhere, I finally convinced John that this was something we need to do. And when he goes, yes, let's go do it. I send him the tickets and say, front row, like front row center. Here you go, motherfucker. I bought tickets to Aerosmith in Boston. Now, and I think I think I came. <laughs> There's a reason for this, though. John and I have seen Boston. We we've seen Aerosmith. Every year together. There's one year. There's one year we didn't see them together, and that was the Just Push Play Tour. But every year we have gone to see them together since the Nine Lives Tour at McNichols Arena here in Denver. I took took that on Grateful Harlot instead of you. 
Well, I took I took a I took a chick. Which I, you know what? Because, sucks the because our arguably, arguably that was my favorite show of theirs, the one where yeah. I took Brandy. The so the and, just push play tour, you took Brandy, but the honking on Bobo tour, I took Ashley. So technically, and I was you know what? I would have rather taken you to that show. That show was fucking amazing. I that agree. was. Of the six times I've seen them, that might be my favorite. And it was like, no, why did dude, I take this Pepsi chick that friend zoned me when I had just taken my friend? You know, Pepsi Center, front row center. We were at Pepsi Center and everybody else joined us as soon as they walked out the gate with Cheap Trick. Do you remember that? Our seats didn't exist. And so they, they gave us. They toured with Cheap Trick. That was the time we went with uh, your stepmom. Yeah, my right? stepmom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the Honking Up Bobo a, show is I, that was a great show. Don't get me wrong, but I mean that because the time I took Brandy was at Fiddler's Green, which my I think by then it was already renamed Coors Amphitheater. Yeah, yeah. Fuel was the opening act, and due to weather, Fuel got canceled, and so they just played the fucking whole show. <laughs> on a little bit earlier and got permission to play late. So they did like three, <laughs> three hours of Aerosmith is heaven to me and heaven to you. Oh and God. I man, that is- this chick that I, she, I will admit I fell in love with Brandy once upon a time. Wholehearted that- regret. Yeah, and especially I mean- that was the height of me being in love with her and thinking this is the type of woman I want to be with. And I was fucking friend zoned. And back then I didn't know any about that shit. And I wish I had, and I wish I had had you at that show because <laughs> that show was amazing. And I took, didn't give a fuck about me to that show. I know. Dude. I, I, I know. And back, back then we were smoking weed still and everything like that. So I took a joint to that show and I split it with her, and we were having a fucking ball, and she didn't give a fuck. I know, man. I know. The show was great. The show was great, and I, <laughs> God, I wish you seen it. Man, I wish that was. And they I covered talk women like it was. Yeah, we were talking about that. It's like sweet emotion. Every single time anybody who's never seen Aerosmith, they open with Beyond Beautiful. Yeah, because it was the Just Push Play tour. But like when we wait, 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 was it the Just Push Play tour? Was it the Girls of Summer tour? I don't know, but they opened with Beyond Beautiful. That's right. All right. Um, but like the second time we got to see him, which was also awesome, and that was right after Columbine. Yeah, and it was Yumi and Yumi and Jared. Yep. And when they when they cut out, Janet's got a gun. They no longer did Jamie's got a gun anymore. Yeah. So to this day, like the last song they played in the last encore was Sweet Emotion. And Joe Perry's just starts saying, I don't know. I don't know about you, but for me, at that very last couple of seconds, I knew what was coming. So Joe Perry is, you know, just with his guitar. And it was, so it was at the beginning of the end of Sweet Emotion. And within that last. Within it's always the guitar time. solo. Every With, every single every time that they do the guitar solo of Speed Emotion. I don't know why, and I I didn't consciously come to mind, but I knew. 
he's going to start playing Led Zeppelin. Yes. And he just yes. busts. So, <laughs> so it's the beginning of the guitar solo between the most. Well, no, it was Heartbreaker. Oh, that was right. It wasn't Whole Lot of Love. It was Heartbreaker. And she's doing that with the guitar, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's just like. I don't know why. I can't explain it, but that was a couple of seconds before. I I knew Heartbreaker was coming. I don't know how I knew that. Anyway, the show where I took fucking Brandy, they did something kind of similar, but instead of Heartbreaker by Led Zeppelin, it was Honky Talk Women by Rolling Stones, which was... I'm not a huge Stones fan, but it was really fucking awesome to see Aerosmith cover the Rolling Stones. Well, so at the at the Honking on Bobo tour during the Sweet Emotion thing again, out of nowhere, it's just Brick House. He just starts playing Jimi Hendrix Brick House. Like that's Red just House? uh sorry, sorry, Red House. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Red House. Yeah, yeah. So like you just it it is it is freaking like it, it it's just it I cannot wait to see what they do this time because the anniversary. <laughs> that's a show for Aerosmith at their 50th anniversary in Boston is a show for true fans. Yes, it, it, it's the show. They need to make it for true fans. They need to leave out all the bullshit. <laughs> Obviously, they've got to play "Walk This Way" and "Sweet Emotion" and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to miss a thing's going to come up, right? Like that's good. that's going to be the song, like one of them. Stream on. So the last time I saw them was with my wife in Seattle in 2012. They didn't play. I don't want to miss a thing. Oh, that's awesome! All right, and that was a great show. That was a fucking great show. So you was know, that, there was there was a there was an article where Joe Perry and Steven Tyler basically said they're like, you know. In 2020 or whatever, we'll still be playing Dream On. We might still be playing I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Like, that, that was just their, their mentality. But we probably won't. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think when people who are not really Aerosmith fans might think, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. An Aerosmith show is a fucking rock concert. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is, that was our introduction to rock concerts. That was my very first, like, rock concert. I'd seen MC Hammer. I'd seen countless concerts. But, like, I had never. God. You mean uh, at Nine Lives, McNichols Arena. Before it closed. God. Space Hog opened for him. What a show, man. Right? And I think they're old as dirt, and they always kick ass. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? It's it's just like nine years since I've seen him. I saw him in 2012. That was the last time yeah. I saw him. He, but you know, the first encore was Dream On. He still hits all his fucking high notes. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Like they, you fuck, you said it they best. Put on a concert, man. Yeah. Oh man, I love. You them. said it best though. That is a band you, that is hugely popular but does not get enough credit. I don't know yeah. how that works. You have said it best when uh, when you were like, they're the one band that is like a fine wine. They get better with age. And and I will I'll agree with that. Like I've seen the Rolling Stones, not live, but I've seen their concerts, right? They're the, and and it I'm sorry, but like he just looks old. He doesn't it doesn't look it doesn't have that same energy, he doesn't have that same like this 
Steven Tyler's up there still at 80 years old. What? Well, he's not 80 years old, but he's 70 no, some odd years old. And he's swinging a freaking mic stand around like he's like 20 years old. He's the same age as my dad. He's so 48. So he's, for this year, he turned 73. And he still swings a mic stand around like he's like 20 years old. So you talk about like the difference. Joe Perry plays the guitar like, like no fucking other, man. Like, I saw so with the the year that I saw them without you, I saw it was the Kiss tour. It was Kiss and Aerosmith, right? And I saw Ace Freely and uh, Paul Stanley and, and and these these titans of rock that you would expect, right? And the only thing I could think of is these guys are aging strippers on stage. That was it. They're wearing high heels and tight leather pants, and they got their face all made up in makeup and shit like that. And Gene Simmons has got his tongue all you know and shit. And and you're like. These guys are aging strippers. They really just don't have the same. If I saw them in the seventies, I might have had a very different point of view of Kiss. Right, and then Aerosmith comes on and kills it, kills it, fucking just like. I mean, they're rock stars, sure, but at the end of the day, they're musicians. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fuck, I love that band, dude. Oh my. God. <laughs> All right. So we got off topic yet again because we decided to start going off on, on Aerosmith. Which is now, I, I, I mean, I'm sitting here like just thinking like high class. You know, like that song is just coming to mind right now. So um, Coming to mind? What's that? Walk on Water is coming to mind for you right now? No, no, no. Uh, high class. With Ooh, the, uh, on, strap on. That's Walk on yeah, yeah. Is that Walk on Water? Okay. It's from the Get a Grip. Get a Grip, isn't it? That was from Big Ones, their second greatest hits album. Thank you very much. Damn. Fucking false fan, you piece of shit. (laughs) Fuck you. I can't even talk to you. Yeah, you know, oh, man. John John is done. John has walked away. He has walked the fuck away. Um, You know what song I have? Like the, I think my favorite Aerosmith song though is still from uh, Made in America, their live version of One Way Street. That is the song every time I hear it, and I can't find it anywhere. I turned you onto that, and you because you because from just their you know debut album, you didn't even care about that song. And I, and I was like, no, dude, you need to listen to the live version. On it is, Facebook. yeah. It, it's the live version, the live version of it. and that was. I'm so sad that music hall closed. That was the Mama Kid Music Hall in Boston. It was a okay. small venue that belonged to them that in Boston that's no longer open. Yeah, and that's. Could you imagine going to a small venue of Aerosmith, like that they own that's just for fans, and seeing that. Because, man, made, that cover of One Way Street on Made in America, oh, man, that moves me. Oh, that moves me. I yep. mean, just like you, just like you. Because I remember saying, dude, you got to listen to this version of that song, not the version off their first album. Fuck that version. Yep. Listen to this live version of it with the harmonica and the that beautiful guitar solo. Oh, God, it's just... Art, pure art. What a fucking talented man! I can't wait. Oh, to totally. see him next year. I cannot wait to see him next year with you, dude, in Boston. It's you and me in fucking Boston with Aerosmith. Did that ever? 
<laughs> we are um so yeah. it's it's gonna be great it's gonna be great so mama kin became the lansdowns i think aerosmith was our first tie yeah that was oh yeah that, that was the first brick in our relationship was Aerosmith. It really was. Yeah, yeah. It, it really was. Like, you it bonded. Anniversary in Boston. <laughs> I can't remember if it was Simino's class or if it was Johnson's, like Johnson's class. That's not great. Thank you very much. Yeah. And we started, and we started talking about, uh, about, uh, Nine Lives. Like, that was, that was the album that we started talking about. And that was, well, that, that was, was the album that had just come out. Time, yeah, yeah. But. And that was, yeah, that was how we, that was how we bonded. And then um, the year after, you and me and Jared seeing him at Nick Nichols Sports Arena. Yep. Yeah. 1998. So here it is. Uh, January 99, Aerosmith sold its ownership interest in the club, which became now, now known as Lansdowne Street Music Hall. So it still exists, uh, but they've probably taken down all the uh, Mama Kin Aerosmith stuff. So, yeah. Um, So anyways, back to the story. <laughs> what story? <laughs> what story? It doesn't matter anymore. Aerosmith is always this this podcast is now went from like John writing a book to Aerosmith. So that's that's I all we're gonna talk about now is Aerosmith. I'm not complaining. I could talk about Aerosmith for days. <laughs> that is a band that is Everyone knows about, but no one gives enough credit to. I, I will give you that. Yeah, yeah. It's it. They are they are the poor man's Rolling Stones. Always has been. Um, they. I would say better. Hell yeah! Like, well, yeah, they're Joe better. Perry, than Joe Perry can can outplay fucking Keith Richards any day of the week. Like, let's just let's just put it out there. Like, Joe Perry can shred the fuck out of Keith Richards. And at the end of the day, what really makes the Rolling Stones songs work is the bass. It's not even Keith Richards gets way too much credit for the Rolling Stones. Like, at the end of the day, it is it is the bass player, and it's it's changed hands now twice uh, because the original uh, I can't remember who the original is. Uh, the original left Bill Wyman. Bill Bill Wyman's no longer with the band, um, and now it's is it Ronnie Wood? It can't be Ronnie Wood. Uh, instruments. Daryl Jones. Daryl Jones is now the bass player for the Rolling Stones. So, like that's that is what makes that that that. Oh, now I will give Charlie Watts plenty of plenty of credit. The, the drummer who just died for the Stones, like he was amazing. Um, I think he did a lot to uh, to make that that a lot of those rhythms work and stuff. Like he could do shit that that you know we look at and we're just like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, but compared to again, like you put Charlie Watts up to like a John Bonham, right? Like who's who's going to be the better drum player? Who knows? I don't know. Are 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 we done talking then? Is is that is that where we're at, John? I don't know what you mean. So let's get I back to the story. Okay. What's that? 
let's get back to the book because that's really what we want to talk about is really the the meat and so what is the plan for chapter one you do you have a plan to, to start chapter one to chapter two yes okay so what I'm is sorry. it it's going to be introducing my protagonist okay and also discussing life in this village so, so you don't think the prologue did enough of describing life? Like, what? How do you want to describe it? Yeah. Not the day to day, like. Okay. So, like I said, I, my big, huge plot point for the you know, part one or act one of my story has not been addressed yet. And what is your big plot point? The water thing. The water thing. Explain that. Basically, this village can sit like people have to bring fresh water to this village on a daily basis from a while, from a distance away. Okay. What is that? Why snap? is that? Why is that a uh, nothing? Don't worry, it's me snapping something that that shouldn't be snapped while we're recording a podcast. So, why are we? Why are we discussing? Like, what is? What is? The, why is the water thing a plot point? What makes it a plot point? So later on, so over the course of this act one, you know, mm-hmm. Marjorie, my, you know, m- mother figure for my protagonist will get old and die. Yeah, yeah. And he will be on his own. But as he comes of age, I have already introduced briefly the twin brother and sister children of the chieftain. Okay. As my story develops, my protagonist will be, even though, so they're outsiders, my protagonist will always have to deal with that outsider stigma, just like his adoptive mother, Marjorie. He will never be completely accepted by the village, except the chieftain's son. So the chieftain has a boy and a girl, twins. The chieftain's son will become my protagonist's best friend. The chieftain's daughter of twins will become the protagonist's first love interest. And they will come of age together where the brother is best friends with the protagonist and wholeheartedly approves of his sister's relationship with the protagonist. So they'll become a, a triangle, you know, brother, sister, best friend, love slash, slash love. Okay. There will be another child, and I've decided. So I introduced this this out the furthest most farmstead family with the oldest son. Their youngest son will be a couple years older than all these people, so he will be the antagonist initially of the first book or of the the, this this act one. Yeah. So because his father is best friends with the chieftain. He believes he's supposed to be the friend of the chieftain's son and eventually marry the chieftain's daughter on his ascent to the throne kind of thing to be chieftain. Okay. But the outsider protagonist has interfered. Okay. So there's that, you know, strife there. So it's 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 kind of a thing where the chieftain's son and daughter accept the protagonist when no one else in the village does because the daughter loves him and the brother, the son sees him as his best friend. Yeah. 
into the thing. So water, they have to journey for water and people have to bring water. Cause I, I, I have introduced that this village is very backwards, xenophobic, you know, isolated and want to keep it that way. They don't believe in progress. They don't believe in change. Things go the same way they do. But kind of where my sci-fi element comes in, and I won't go into that just here and now. So the protagonist will know things theoretically unusual for the scenario. And he gets the idea to essentially invent a pulley system to bring water to the village that the chieftain does not want any part of because it inst- it, it, it it's changed, really. Yeah, yeah. it's technology well, that he doesn't want. Te- technology, that's the best word for it, even though by our standards it's still very primitive, it's technology. Yeah, yeah. But his son and daughter who both equally love the protagonist in their own way, convince him of it. Okay. So during the construction of this water carrying system, the other son now who thinks he's the one that should be wed to the chieftain's daughter should be best friends with the son, the chieftain's son and hates. He is, he is the first antagonist. Mm-hmm. Basically, he sets up a, a sabotage of rocks. I know how I want to put it in my head, like how I'm giving the paraphrased version of it doesn't sound right, but I know how I'm going to put it. And essentially, he accidentally, he tries to kill the protagonist, but inadvertently accidentally kills the chieftain's son. Okay. However, he is able to spin it so the entire village and the chieftain and even the daughter, the love interest, the sister, blames the protagonist. And the protagonist is forced to flee. And even though my protagonist is going to go on a very long fantasy sci-fi journey, I have a vision for the protagonist having to come back to this village in the last book. Okay. And his hated enemy who accidentally killed his best friend trying to kill him, but was able to successfully blame him for the death of the chieftain's son has become the chieftain himself now, now that they're all grown, has married the first love interest, but she's miserable because she blamed the man she loved for the death of her brother, even though that wasn't true, but nobody believed the outsider. Mm-hmm. So he was exiled, forced to flee for fear on pain of death, even though it wasn't his fault. And now he comes back in the third book, much stronger, much more worldwise. And this village is still just all fucked up. And this fucking guy has no idea how to run a village to begin with. And he's able to break down all the lies that this guy has created. And the first love interest towards and then like I said this is all the way towards the end this is a payoff for my initial chapters to realize she married the guy who killed her brother and bore his children and became his wife and turned on the one she really loved who she blamed for her brother's death falsely 
and she's already miserable to begin with. This is going to be payoff in the middle-ish part of the third book. Or third act. More or less, yeah. How like how many years have passed in chapter one? In chapter one, probably not many. Maybe one okay. or two years. One or two years. Still going to be young. So he's like one years old now. So you're going to make him three years old in chapter one. Mm, two. He's like two years old now, so he's going to be three or four maybe in chapter one. But the first act one of the book is his coming of age story in this village. So how long do you plan on making chapter one? About as long as the prologue. Okay. So chapter one will just cover like a, and then chapter chapter two will be the next like four or five years. Is that the idea? Basically. Yeah. Okay. I'm essentially trying to make act one, five or six chapters, eight or nine chapters. Okay. The coming of age story. Okay. Act two. Act two. Like it. Act one will end with him fleeing the village as a young adult. Act two. How much, will this, how much is this, uh, this is in flux as you write? Like you start kind of writing, and maybe you might kind of hit like a point where you're like, you know, maybe. In terms of the storyboard in my head, book one is pretty solid. It's the idea of whether or not book two there's enough material to make a book two or book three, or to compress okay. it. Long book, <laughs> but book like one, what what becomes like a three hundred page book to all of a sudden a seven hundred or eight hundred page book, right? So as opposed to making a trilogy, yeah, yeah. Book book one is solid. It's a matter of whether or not I want to make a longer book one or like two books or three books. So it sounds like. In, from what I'm understanding, though, is like the the idea here is that you're going to have even if you only write one book that's long, like the protect the the antagonist is what's going to change throughout the story. Absolutely, so like the the initial antagonist isn't is is somebody from the tribe. Then the second antagonist is somebody from the sea, like the 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 pirate, and then. The, the third antagonist, then, is the overall ruler of this whole world. Yeah, yeah. So, Real antagonist, the king. So, yeah, there's, like, three main antagonists in my idea. It, it would That's be perfect. interesting. Up, yeah, it, it goes from, like, simple boss to, like, boss level. Um, you know. Village it, rival to shit <laughs> captive to king. So what would be interesting, I think, and just this is something to kind of keep in your mind, is to find a way to thread these three antagonists together in some way, shape, or form. Like maybe they're two and three is very obvious, but there's going to be no connection with this initial antagonist because this village is isolated. Yeah. But what I mean is like when, you know, when this guy becomes the chieftain, so to speak of this village, it would be really interesting. It might be interesting to see maybe, that he's got some ties to the king that now the now the village is less isolated, you know, in that regard yeah, he's you know, still too isolated. Really? Are, this village is completely on its own. Miles like thousands of miles from other civilization. 
Huh. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of see what you're saying, but trust me, in my head, it works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fine. I just, I just think from a from a like a from a tie-in standpoint, like it would make sense that you know you're trying to kind of make the king. But this a tie-in doesn't really work. And in effect, I kind of have an idea in my head of as to why this village is just isolated. It is on its own. No outside influence, and I actually kind of have long-term overarching reasons for that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So it sounds, I I mean, dude, you were out of wine two minutes ago. I don't know why you're like pouring more. So no, I'm not not pouring more. (laughs) On top of that. Very potent martini I had before we ever started this. I have and you, this a whole bottle of wine. I am I am not drinking a whole bottle of wine tonight because I know that I need to wake up early in the morning and work out. And so, like, I'm done I with my and go to fucking work. Yeah, well, that's that's a different story for you. <laughs> and I'm talking to you this whole time. I have to pee. I've had to pee for like half an hour. Well, then let's take a break and you go pee. Can we take a break? I don't know how this works. I We can take a break. I can hit the stop button right here and let you go pee. It's after midnight. My alarm goes off in less than six hours. Okay. Well, then let's do this, actually. So we have talked a lot this evening. We've caught up a lot. And now, John, the great thing is, is you are in a place where you have internet and you have freedom to do what you need to do, right? So we have, I think what we've reached is a pretty good conclusion of this whole like situation of like where you're like, and we, uh, and we've kind of, we've, we've we we ran the country. We are back on track. We are back on track. (laughs) You made that website so we can post the fucking prologue. Well, I haven't, I haven't finished the website, but the the website is coming on. Four fans that listen to this podcast. No, 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 no. Five in Germany. One in West Virginia. I don't know why this one in West Virginia keeps listening to us, but there's somebody in West Virginia who keeps listening to us. It's probably some like Trumper or something. I don't know. Who knows? Um, they are. <laughs> and then we have one or two in Denver. I noticed we have one or two in Denver. We have nobody from South Carolina yet, but that will happen soon. So, anyways. Let's go ahead and wrap this up then. Let's go ahead. We we I think we've got a pretty good idea on where you're going. Um and uh, let's let's we dedicated maybe ten minutes of this podcast to this story, but <laughs> I think we covered it. There was catching up to do. There, there was, was a catching up to do. There was a shit ton of catching up to do. You're and the asshole. German listeners will love the fact that we listened to Aerosmith and that we caught caught up, right? I think they're on a VPN. You say Germany, I say they're not fucking German. Hey, I think they're German. Maybe. I think there are five friends in Germany, and they're just like, these guys are fucking funny, and they're idiots, and we love them. And we will make them bigger than David Hasselhoff. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you are not from Germany, all I'm going to say is our listening audience should just start using a VPN to think that the, to make us think you're in Germany. 
and then that way it'll it'll be even better. So um, then then we'll just think that we're huge in, in German. You know, we're we're huge with the German audience. The German people love us. Okay, John, let's go ahead and cut it off. We will pick back up. John John will write chapter one. We'll start chapter one. We'll pick back up. We'll start kind of going over it and, and talking, delving more into it. But for now, let's have a good night. John, I'm Steven. And this is John. And this has been Quixotic. I thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us catch up, essentially, and not even really talk to you about what we should be talking about. But thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. 